How's it going, everybody? Welcome. Good to have you here this morning. I'm just going to cover this projector up, otherwise there's going to be a light pointing at me all morning. But welcome to our new space this morning. We just kind of found ourselves down here this morning. A few little changes. Uh, we'll be, as far as we know, back upstairs next week. My name's Colin. It's great to have you with us today. As um, I think uh, the video just explained real clearly, we're on this series which... Ooh, Hello. We're talking about Elisha. Elisha was a prophet in the Old Testament of the Bible who lived in what year? Boom, 850 BC. You want to know how he knows that? It said it right at the very beginning of the video. So well done. I was wondering if anybody would catch that. But Elisha lived during eight, around 850 BC and uh, was a prophet in uh, uh, ancient Israel. And, you know, have you ever had in your life a specific talk that somebody has given or a specific speech or a TED talk or a sermon or something like that? Maybe you've attended a, an event or a church service and with, with all the other talks and messages and sermons and speeches that you might hear, one particular speech sticks in your mind. And um, hopefully it's this one this morning, right? But, you know, if you, if you look back in the past, you could probably think there's a few times when you've heard somebody speak, and it's been of that kind of caliber and that quality that is stuck in your mind for years. And I was at a, a, a conference 10 years ago, 2009, one of the speakers was Stephen Furtick, who's a pastor of one of the greatest churches in this country, Elevation Church in, uh, in the Carolinas somewhere, and uh, a huge church and made a massive impact across this country and around the world. And some of the thoughts that I want to give credit where credit's due, because quite a few of the thoughts that I share this morning were, were his on that day. And I remember where I was sitting in that auditorium and looking down from the balcony at Stephen Furtick speaking in the impact that this message had on my life. So Since we've been in this series on Elisha, I wanted to give credit to him for some of these uh, thoughts this morning. The kings of Israel at this time were were kind of converged to fight against an enemy that's trying to raise, that's trying to revolt against Israel. And so they're pursuing their enemy, and this is where Elisha comes into the picture in this account. So we're in 2 Kings 3, verses 9 to 20. I'm going to read this out to you. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. Okay, just think about that for a moment. There's, they've been marching for seven days. There's no more water for the army of three kingdoms. Okay, it's pretty serious stuff. For their, they're in the Mediterranean, all right? So it's not, it's not cool or anything like that. They need water. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. You see, it seems like at that time, the Holy Spirit would impact specific individuals so they could speak as a mouthpiece for God. And Elijah's basically, Elisha's basically saying, go to, you know, go to your God's people and this kind of stuff. Why do you want to involve me? No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord, it was the Lord Almighty who called us three kings together to, li- to deliver us into the hands of Moab. And Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay attention to you. 
So Elisha's got some guts. He's being asked to speak for these uh, three kings, but he's being pretty blunt with them as well. You know, he's recognizing, you guys haven't been, you haven't been listening to the Lord Almighty forever. Ever since I, I took over from Elijah, you haven't been listening to God, but all of a sudden now you're in need and now you've got problems and it's not raining and you need water and all of a sudden you're listening to God. And they're in this desperate need. They're in this desperate situation. And in a situation like this, they're suddenly realizing this vital point. Only God can send the rain. Right? If you're in a drought, if you're in, spiritually, if you're in a drought, we need God's presence. And there's, they've done all the things that they were supposed to do. They've got the equipment that they need to defeat the enemy. They've got their, uh, their different divisions of the army, but they're out of water. And they don't even have the most basic need met. And suddenly they're realizing only God can make it rain. You know, are you sometimes in that position where you think you know better than God? Right? Yes, me too. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be honest enough, but I am. I sometimes think I know better than, hey, I think I know better than, G, than Siri and the GPS on my phone most of the time. Like six o'clock this morning, I had to go to get something from, um, from the pharmacy, and uh, the one near us wasn't open, so I went into Lowell, which is a bit further away, and there was a, a Walgreens open. And as I'm, you know, as I'm driving, I can see the Walgreens sign, and it says, you know, turn right, and then Walgreens is on your left. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's just turn right. Walgreens is right there. And as I past this like right turn that I didn't realize was there, I, it suddenly dawns on me, that's right, Siri knows better than me, or whoever it is, he, she, or, or the, the GPS or whatever. You know, you think you know better than the GPS, but you don't, right? Anyone experience that? I have on plenty of occasion, and I realized that I should have turned where I didn't turn. And it's exactly the same with God. All the time we think we know better than God, but we've got to remember he's the only one that can make it rain. And Elisha's like, oh, all of a sudden, you're interested in God's ways, God's solutions to your problems. You've waited till all your solutions didn't work, and then you start to call on God. Ever since I've taken over from Elijah, you've had no need of me, and now all of a sudden, here you are. That's just nice. I've had this verse on, on my mind over these last few days, and I shared it with somebody on Friday night, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will keep your paths straight. Often we want to do things our way when God's calling us to trust in him and to do things his ways. We can't expect God's input on our lives and God's direction in our lives until we start serving God God's way according to his terms. And so often we want God on our terms. I can't expect God's blessing on my work and on my life unless I do it God's way. And remember, only God can send the rain. And so we've got this passage of Scripture that's just unpacking and unfolding. And you're seeing that these guys are in desperate need. And so they come to the prophet Elisha. They're like, what's God got for us? What's the man of God got for us today that's going to help us in this drastic situation? We've got troops that are starving, that are, that are, that are dying of thirst. What's going um, to solve our problem? And, and it's right here in verse 15. And Elisha has a clear, a crazy clear answer for these people who are just dying of thirst. He says this, but now bring me a harpist. You're like, what the? Like, bring me a harpist. Like, we got people dying and Elisha wants some mood music. You know, it just doesn't seem to be the right thing at that particular time. People are dying in the hot Mediterranean sun. And Elisha says, bring me a harpist. 
It says, while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Are you kidding me? Like, why would that be the first thing that comes out of Elisha's, life, Elisha's mouth? Bring me a harpist. Find the, the most difficult instrument to, in the world to transport and bring it into some field where Elisha is and everybody's, you know, like about to die. And he's like, he wants some background music while he thinks and listens to God. And I think there's a bit of a common thing for that day for the Word of God to be accompanied by music. For God's word, when, it's, when it comes through God's chosen person back in the Old Testament, for it to be accompanied by music, and it seems like the inspiration of God's work, of God's word in their day, was accompanied by music and by the sounds of worship and God's presence. And as, as this prophet is going to prophesy, and he's going to speak God's word out, something spiritual and something atmospheric almost needs to take place. There's this, there's this need for transcendence and something otherworldly that can be communicated sometimes through music. You know, honestly, as Anthem Church, if, we can't, if we're going to be Anthem Church, we better be ready to declare the anthems of our great God, right? And not be shy in declaring those things that, that define who God is and talk about who God is as he's the one who defines who we are. We better be real, uh, ready to be a church that is ready to worship God with the kind of anthems that lift him up and declare who he is and, be, and recognize that it's very often in our worship that we get to that place of understanding what God has for us and, God, um, and how God wants to speak. Now, where's Mikey? Um, Mikey. I want Mikey to come on up. We're going to illustrate something, and we didn't really plan much of this this morning, but um, uh, Mikey's the kind of guy that likes to have things planned far ahead of time, especially when we change venues on him first thing in the morning like we did this morning. And by the way, our team did a phenomenal job of getting us in this space, didn't they? Look at this. It's flawless. It's fantastic. And none of us had ever walked in this building till into this room till 7.20 this morning. And I don't know if you know, but it takes a team of uh, six or seven people to settle this up every weekend. So we're, we're excited about that. But we're going um, to do a little bit of a thing this morning. Um, you don't have to play just yet, so you can take those fingers right off those keys right now. That's great. Yeah, just keep it right down. Relax, chill. First, we're going to do it. We're going to do it sans Mikey. That's French for without. Um, we're going to do it without Mikey. Um, and uh, here's what I'm going to do. I want to say some, some lines, and I want you to hear just how inspirational they are. And I want you to hear just how much they move you. Sometimes when we're in church, something can, we can get inspired and moved, and then we leave church, and it seems like everything changes. You ever been in that situation? Um, and so let me just tell you these thoughts of mine. You can do it. You can make it. Don't give up. No matter what, God has a plan for your life. You inspired? But like, if we add a little bit of background to that, and I just said to Mikey, just play like the most amazing piece of music you've ever played. And um, look at that. And so think we're at the end of a service. We're coming towards the end of church on a Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, at the end, sometimes when we're getting ready to worship at the end of a service, Michael, look, at, we've got some soul going on here today. Mikey will just add a little bit of this kind of stuff. And so if I just start to say things like this, you can do it. You can make it. Don't give up. No matter what, God has a plan for your life. All right, you can stop now. Doesn't that feel...
Doesn't that feel better? Doesn't, isn't that how you want to feel at the end of a church service? Not, all right, hang on, hang on. He's getting overexcited. Wait a second. All right, but so we're going we're gonna to cut on the piano for a minute or two. It's incredible to be moved by music, isn't it? And to be, to be inspired to act by music. And I kind of wonder what took place when Elisha said, hey, God's going to do something. We need a musician in the house. We need something like otherworldly to take place as I let these guys know what God is saying and what's next. It's incredible to be inspired in that kind of, we can do it. God can, can, can act and work in your life. And sometimes you want to leave church. Come on, Mikey, give me a bit of piano. Sometimes you want to leave church and you think, I'm going to go from here and I'm going to be a better Christian. I'm not going to be the same useless Christian that I've been in the past. I'm going to go from here and I'm going to read my Bible. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to spend 15 minutes a day sitting in a chair where I just read my Bible and I listen to how God's speaking. And then I'm probably going to go to work listening to Christian music, not flipping anybody off on the road. And then when I, once I get to work, it's going to be awesome. I'm probably going to tell people about Jesus. I'll probably buy somebody lunch. There's a homeless guy that walks down the street and I might even invite him to come back and live with us at the end of the... All right, stop. And then... You get home and you have to tell your husband that you've invited a homeless person to come and live with you. And like, it doesn't feel the same anymore. Hey, hey, come on, enough. All right. And, uh, and so sometimes we need to recognize that what takes place in here with all the inspiration and faith and movement has to take a completely different direction when we go out there and the music comes to a sudden end. All right, thanks very much, Mikey. That's all for this morning. Well, well, he'll be back. He'll be back later. You go home, and you're a lone Christian. You, you, you go to work, and you feel like, am I the only place in this building of 500 people that follows Jesus, that lives to different standards? How do you move what God is saying from inspiration to implementation? When we're here together, it feels like God is all-powerful. Once we get home, we wonder if we left him at church. And just watch what happens as we, as we, we, we read the rest of these, this verse of Scripture. Watch what happens as Elisha prophesies and speaks God's declarative truth to these authorities, to these people that came and they're asking Elisha, can God make a difference? Remember, the harp's playing in the background. And he says, thus says the Lord. And, you know, this is where you, you, you recognize Elisha declares, I'm speaking God's words at this point. He says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. There's something unique about this line. The, the, the army is like desperate for water. And his first statement to them is, hey, army, kings, leaders, make this valley full of ditches. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. How awesome is that? He's like, you're going to drink. Don't worry. God is going to send the rain. This is an easy thing for God. And he will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will, be, you will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. The next morning, about the time for the offering, the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. God speaks, 
and act. All of us want to see that, don't we? We want to see the miraculous work of God. We want to see the impact of God's work in our lives. This, this idea of water flowing gives us that sense of renewal and spiritual refreshment and revival in our lives. That the idea that God's present. So God's, God's instruction to Elijah, though, Elisha, had nothing to do with water. God's one instruction to Elisha is go tell the people to dig some ditches. Not one, but to fill this valley with ditches. So these people, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that to their stage, but this valley, imagine that this army just gets this instruction, just start digging. Do what you can do today because God is going to send the rain. Don't just dig one ditch. Make this valley filled with ditches. And then I want us to understand this, that only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you and I to dig a ditch. Only God can send the rain, but he wants you and I to dig a ditch. Sometimes it's for us to find a shovel and take the shovel and do what we're supposed to do while we allow God to do what he can do. See, faith believes it before it sees it. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Everyone say impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe two things, that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In order to come to God in the first place, Hebrews says that we must believe that he not only exists, but that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So without faith, without that, that, that belief beforehand in who God is and what he's able to do, it's impossible to please God. Where's God asking you to dig a ditch? Where's God asking you in your life today to dig a ditch knowing that God will send the rain? Where's he asking you to act knowing that he will provide? I I think a few years ago, one illustration for me that sticks out in this is that I'd said to my wife a couple of of years in a row, I said, I really want to, you know, most of you know I'm a musician as well. I really want to record a Christmas album. And I'd really like to like, make a Christmas record. I just thought this was the greatest idea to have our own Christmas CD. I thought, what would it be better? This is for our church back in, in Detroit at the time. What would be better than if we could get the people in our community to get to experience and understand the kind of worship music that we play at our church? Wouldn't that be great? And in most times, the answer to that question is, no, they're not going to enjoy your worship music because they're not even worshiping Jesus. And I figured, well, the only time you can kind of get away with that is at Christmas, where you can kind of get away with Christmas lyrics and talking about the baby in the manger, and people are going to be okay with listening to what is essentially worship music. And so we just took some of these Christmas carols from the last 500 years and, and started to um, you know, put them to, to contemporary music and, and make a record. But before that happened, I told Liz, like, one summer, I think I'd like to make a, 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 a Christmas album. And, you know, Christmas came and went, and I thought to myself, oh, you know what? I, I, I should have made that Christmas album. I've got to wait another year. And Christmas came and went again, and it was just this kind of, like, thought in the back of my mind. And I genuinely thought that God had put it in my mind to do this and to make this Christmas CD. You know what a CD is? It's one of these, anyway. Um, and uh, sorry for those of you under 30, but to make this CD. And so about March the following year, I told a friend of mine about it. And he said, it was March. You know, you know what it's like in March, right? You're barely, 
like the snow's barely melting from the previous Christmas. Nothing, there's nothing Christmassy or anything about where you feel or what's going on or anything. And he said, all right, Friday mornings, let's meet at my house every Friday morning and we'll write Christmas songs. And I thought, is there anything less I want to do in March than write Christmas songs? You know, and I pulled out some hymn books and we showed up at his house and we, we drudged our way through some old Christmas lyrics of old songs to try and come up with something new. And it was hard and we didn't get a result. But he said, let's keep doing it. Let's keep Let's keep meeting on Friday mornings. A couple of Fridays later, we, 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 got, we wrote one song that we literally pulled an old Christmas cow from like the 1300s or something, and we wrote a new tune to it, recorded it, and in about three hours, it was ready to go on the album. And maybe I'll post it on the, the Anthem Church page or something so you can hear it. But like it was, this is old now, so this is Colin looking a lot younger on the video. But, um, but it was about us getting up and digging ditches. And somebody had to come alongside me and say, what are we actually going to do about it to fulfill this vision that God says he's put in your heart? That God says he's going to do. What's your part in it? And I realized at that point, we've got to dig some ditches. We've got to act in order to allow God to send the rain. We had this idea that we wanted this Christmas album to get into the hands of, of not just the people in our church, but that people would use them as stocking fillers for their friends and would give away this kind of like Christmassy worship music to all their friends in our community as an opportunity to share God's word with the people in our town. And in the space of six weeks, just before Christmas, when we released that album to our church, we sold three or 4,000 copies of this thing just to, to a church of seven or 800 people. Because they all got bought this vision. Like they were giving them to the person that cut their hair and the person they buy a sandwich from and they buy gas from and this sort of stuff. And God's word got out through music that season in our church in a way that it never had done because somebody was prepared to come up, with, to come up alongside me and say, you and I are going to have to dig some ditches if we want to see God send the rain. Similar thing happened to us when we, we, we wanted to start Anthem. And we'd been feeling for a couple of years that God was leading us here to start this church. And with some counsel of some people around me, I knew that we'd have to raise a significant amount of money to make this happen. And, you know, all this stuff and, and the, the, the sort of the year and a half of prep that went in to Anthem starting. And so it ended up being about a million, just over a million dollars that we'd have to raise from, the, from ex- externally in order to help us Anthem be sustained in its early years. And uh, we're going to get into some of the detail of that in January. And I want to... Inv- remind you that when you hear about a kind of a family meeting that we're going to have as a church, I want to, you'll hear about the date soon, but I want to invite you to put that in your calendars and to try and let you know where, where we're at with our finances, where we're at with our vision for 2020. Ooh, 2020 vision, that could be a thing, couldn't it? But um, it's probably been done. But anyway, um, and where we're going, that's what you'll see. That's the name right there. I just thought of that. But, um, but, but we realized we'd have to raise a significant amount of money. I had never raised any money for anything in my life before. This was brand new territory for me. And I got around a few friends that had been down this road before that could help me and give me some direction and some, some advice. And, uh, and I just had to start digging ditches. I just had to start asking people for money. And I was terrified. I was petrified. I thought, they're going to just like, throw me out right there and then. And so I just started digging ditches. And I called a friend of mine who leads a church in Georgia. This is a Monday morning. And I went into one of the offices at, at, at the church where I was working. And I called my friend Matt Evans, who runs uh, Rockbridge Church in Dalton, Georgia. Not a rich church, but a generous church. Not a rich community, but a, a community that's committed to planting churches around our country. And I talked to Matt for 15 minutes. And Matt said, so what do you need? Do you need, you know, 
500, $1,000 a month for the next three years, four years, something like that. And I said, I like those bigger numbers, like the $1,000 and the four years are my favorite. And so Matt said, done, we'll, we'll support your, your, your church plant, $48,000 over the next four years. This, I thought I came out so elated and excited. I had dinner with a couple that night who'd been friends of ours sort of along the journey and um, sat down um, in a barbecue restaurant with them and shared a little bit of our vision and what we needed and what we were doing and I dug another ditch. And right there and then they said, well, we've already decided we're going to commit $10,000 a year for the next four years to Anthem Church. I was digging a ditch. I, I left that night so elated and I, I felt like, like we, had, we had planned six months to, to raise the, the funds that we needed. And it was, became real clear, this, this thing was going to be done by Thursday. You know, it was going to be all over, you know, like $88,000 in one day. This is awesome. Guess what? Ditch digging gets harder and harder the longer you do it, right? It gets, the first couple of ditches you dig might feel easy. But once you've been digging ditches for a few months, your back hurts, you know, and it's painful. And you're like, God, are we going to see you send the rain? Are we going to see you come through with what you promised that you would do? And it, over the, the course of the next year and a half or to two years or to, well, still today, really, we, we, we were able to raise the funds that we believe, that believe we believe we needed in order to get the marketing and equipment and staff and team and all the rest of it to start Anthem Church. And I thought it was so great after one day. I thought I had the answer. I thought I knew how easy this whole thing was going to be. But there was never a day since that time that it has been that easy. It's like God wanted just to say to me, here, this is what happens when you dig a ditch. And then the next time he could have said, here, but he said, how about you dig a few more ditches? And how about you do a little bit more of the work? And maybe I won't come through as quick the next time as I did on the first time. After that, it became hard work but we continued to dig ditches. I wonder what area of your life God is calling you to dig a ditch in. What area of your life could you you leave here today feeling inspired and feeling like, yes, but finding it hard to implement when you get out the door. Finding it hard to, to put inspiration into implementation. Maybe it is some of those things I said earlier. Maybe it is that personal decision to say, I am going to start reading the Gospels. I'm going to start letting God's Word, letting the Bible each day impact my life. Could be a commitment to 15 minutes a day to saying, I'm going to spend time in a chair, sitting, listening to God, praying, hearing Him speak, and committing to God. Maybe it's, maybe it's an action step that you need to take that's active. Maybe it's something where you know that you have something to bring to the person who sits in the cubicle next to you and you're sitting on your laptops and you have a friend who is the author of life and it's so hard to even share that news with the person that you sit with each day. Raven was baptized on Friday night. See, I got you twice this morning, boy. Raven was baptized on Friday night. And, um, and uh, we had a baptism service Friday evening, Raven and Arthur. Arthur's here too. Let's hear it for Arthur. I think Shannon works on Sunday mornings, but she was baptized as well. It was so awesome to see three people whose lives have been impacted over this last year through Anthem make that decision, through Jesus, should I say, make that decision to, to go through the waters of baptism and to make that commitment. Um, and he, he kind of shared a little bit, a bit of his story, and we have everyone share a little bit about their story, about how they got to that place. And he shared that what happened is that... Um, uh, they moved into a new condo in Bedford, and the neighbor 
decided to speak to his grandparents and invite them to church or invite them to a Bible study or something like that. These grandparents who were Buddhist, right? So the neighbor invites Raven's grandparents who are Buddhists to come to church with them. They go to church with them and their lives are changed by Jesus Christ. Raven's mom also goes to the church and their li- her life's changed by Jesus Christ. And then Raven follows and all of a sudden you've got this whole family whose lives are changed by the power of the gospel because somebody invited a Buddhist to a Christian church. Who does that? You know, like I've never, who, hands up, right? Who's invited a Buddhist to their church, right? We want to like, oh no, let's leave them to their compartment of the world. And, and, but like, let's invite people to join us whose lives could be impacted by Jesus Christ. Eternities change. Lives change. Because one couple, one individual decided to dig a ditch. They knew only God can impact this individual's life. Only God can send the rain. But I can dig a ditch. And I believe that that's God's promise to us. That if we will dig ditches. God will send the rain. I know that some of us are waiting for that season in our life where, it, where, where the, the inspiration of what takes place when you're together with other followers of Christ will get easy and will become just easy and become simple when we're out in, our, out in the marketplace, out in our daily lives. But you know, in every single one of those areas, God is challenging each one of us like he was challenging these people back in the day, back in 850 BC, to dig ditches because God had promised that he was going to move. I'm going to encourage the, invite the, the band to come up as we uh, close in worship today. And I think the first place that this starts is in our response to God. That when we come to a place like this, even in our service, that, that we allow even the, the, the words that we sing together to drill down deep into our soul as we reflect back and respond back to God. And I believe that one of the ways that that happens is as we worship together. And so in a moment, we're going to stand and sing together and I want to encourage you to engage your heart in these songs because sometimes when we, we, uh, we decide to put voice to the words on a screen, Something about who God is gets bigger. Psalm 34, 1 says, Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You ever thought how, how weird that is? Magnify the Lord? Wait, what do you mean magnify the Lord? We're going to make him bigger? Not possible. Does it get any bigger than God? No. Like, but there's something about that I like about Instagram. You know, when I'm on Instagram and uh, you click on Instagram and if you're, if you're 50 like me, you know, and you got crappy eyes. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, you realize that you can either do this or if you've got your glasses on, you're okay. Actually, I'm 51, but who's counting? But, um, you know, like, the, the, I, I love to do this, right? Where you can zoom in on a picture on Instagram and you can see, oh, that's what it is, you know? And you can, you can magnify that thing. Now, does it, it, it technically doesn't get any bigger, really. It's the same number of pixels that were there when it was small. But in your eyes... It gets bigger. What you see gets bigger. And you have a bigger faith 
in, a, in, in what you're seeing and you can understand more of it and you can get a bigger picture of what's going on. And when we worship our God, when we magnify Him, when we're willing to exalt His name, let me tell you this, God gets bigger in our eyes and we take it more with us when we go into our workplace and we can dig ditches because we've got a bigger faith that God is going to send the rain. Let's stand together and we're going to worship this morning and invite God by His Holy Spirit to come and inspire our faith to serve Him in every way.